This episode of Half a Star, the Half-Ass Podcast, is sponsored by Justin's new microphone. Finally, Justin has a microphone. Ooga! Today on a very special episode of Half a Star, the Half-Ass Podcast, we have special guests, Falling Iguana Theater, a physical theater company. What better way to showcase the skills of a physical theater company than pre-recorded radio? Iguanas, your friends and mine. But how much do we know about them? Well, Justin and I know a lot more than we did 10 minutes ago because we've got some iguana facts for you. And also, we've got headlines. We've got some news for folks. All that and maybe a little bit more on this episode of Half a Star, the Half-Ass Podcast. We believe bad ideas make great stories. He's Justin. He's Ben. Take it away, Rob. I don't listen because it's a podcast. But if you feel that you must, here they are then, Ben and Justin. Together they are half of a star. And folks, that was Rob McDonald singing our wonderful jingle for Half a Star. We have we a, th- a title for that yet, by the way. We should get a title for that. Maybe we can let our wonderful listeners pitch titles, pitch titles for Rob's new song. We also have public domain music as our daily rotating theme song. For every episode, we have a different public domain song playing us into the airwaves. This week, we have Jazz in Paris by Media Right Productions. I love having public domain music because... We don't have to pay for it. It sure is free. So shout out to Media Right Productions for that. Uh, they're a hot up-and-coming band. Check them out once the world reopens. Speaking of hot and up-and-coming, our guests are hot and up-and-coming, I guess, in, <laughs> I guess in appearance and in terms of uh, quality and aesthetic. They're beautiful people inside and out, I will say. I know you can't see them right now, listeners, but you believe it. They are very hot, and Ben and I, we're also really handsome and muscly, and lots of, uh, lots of ab muscles, hot stuff. Coming we have through. at least four ab muscles between the two of us. But we've got Falling Iguana Theater, and you, uh, you used to go to school with them, didn't you? I went to school with one of them, um, with uh, Alexa. Uh, she and I were in the same theater school for a brief period of four months back in 2013. She was in second year, and I was in first year at the Ottawa Theater School in Ottawa, Ontario. And didn't they have to close because of some stupid reason like you clogged the toilet or something (sighs) it wasn't about any plumbing issues i will say that much i don't really want to get into it i know that i know that's what you've been telling people and i think i just want to put it out there on our platform that that's not what happened the more you protest that you didn't clog the toilet the more i'm inclined to believe that you clogged the toilet so until i hear otherwise Ben closed down a a theater school in our nation's capital because he couldn't contain himself. All I want to say is I clogged a toilet and then a theater school closed down. I don't necessarily think the two are connected. But before we get to the bottom of that case, knowing that we were going to have Falling Iguana Theater part of our show, I was thinking, well, we better prepare. We better get to know uh, some iguana facts and Mm -hmm. uh, get our audience ready. Do you have any iguana facts, Ben? I do, and I want to start off strong um, with this. I, I, I think we both got these facts from the same website, correct? 
I believe so. That yes, means- we are on vetstreet.com slash ourpetexperts slash top 10 fun facts about iguanas. Oh, we got a handful of facts courtesy of Dr. Lori Hess. So yeah. thank you, Doc- Dr. Lori Hess. We appreciate your, your work in the iguana world. If you'd like to sponsor a podcast, just let us know. Or Ben is looking for a pet and he would love to have a pet iguana. Okay, so I want to start off with a fact. They have titled this fact in a way that I think is provocative, evocative, and it's borderline pornographic, Justin, the way that they've titled this fact. Ooh. Um, apparently, iguanas like it hot and sticky is, is how uh, this website has told it. Apparently, yeah, they have a, uh, a basking zone that is around 90 degrees Fahrenheit, so that's about 30 degrees Celsius, so that's hot. And then I guess they also like it humid. So there you go. Kind of reminds me of my dad. My dad likes the heat, hates the cold. I thought you were going to say, kind of reminds me of my dad in terms of hotness. Uh, (laughs) Listeners, I know this is not a visual-based medium. We're still adjusting. We just can't stop talking about how hot Ben's dad is. It's just, (laughs) we can't contain ourselves. Let's see, another half-star iguana fact. Did you know their tails come off? I didn't. You didn't? That's wild. It, in the wild, iguanas can break their own tails off to escape a predator. If, uh, oh. if a predator grabs them, they're just like, not today. And then it pops right off. And then they, it'll, it may grow back. Did you know that iguanas have another eye? They do. Yeah, they have an extra eye. So they have great vision already. They see colors as well as ultraviolet light, which is interesting. But they have uh, a photosensory organ on the top of their head, which is called the pineal gland or the parietal eye. It's sensitive to light changes as well as movement. So uh, it's got a third eye, which uh, leads me to believe that it's probably really good at yoga. Yeah, it's, it's interesting from all these facts. I'm not really finding anything connected to theater or performance art well we'll have to make sure to we'll have to run by some of these iguana facts by our guests the falling iguana Mm -hmm. theater company we'll have to ask them uh, some of these facts and get to the bottom of why are they called falling iguana theater exactly but before we get to our awesome guests you said there's some news something in the news yeah so as we know the world is a bit of a mess right now. If you're listening to this in the future, we are recording this at the height of the coronavirus outbreak. This hasn't obviously just affected Canada. There's been many countries around the world to uh, have experienced this particular pandemic, not the least of which the United States of America. And this headline comes to us from the great city of Boston, Massachusetts. And so you might remember a few years back, there was that horrific bombing disaster that happened at the Boston Marathon. And something that came out of that was the hashtag Boston Strong, right? It was everywhere. The Red Sox won the World Series that year on, like, along the strength of that hashtag, as well as obviously playing baseball really well. But it, it was Are you sure that- it wasn't the hashtag? That, uh- <laughs> Can we do can we do hashtag checks on these baseball players? Yeah, Are they using um, illegal uh, performance performance enhancing hashtags. <laughs> yeah, so it was one of these galvanizing things where everybody would say like hashtag Boston strong. Oh my god, I was gonna I tried to do a Boston accent. My boys wicked smart. My boys wicked smart. My boys wicked smart. Hashtag Boston strong. So uh, there was this runner th- that was terribly offensive. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry to the city of Boston and the beautiful people that live there. Just one tragedy after another. <laughs> so there was, this, there was this runner and she was training for the Boston Marathon this year. And of course, the Boston Marathon was supposed to be in May sometime and it got canceled 
obviously because of the outbreak. So she decided to honor the Boston Marathon and the strength and resilience of the city of Boston and the country of America and all that sort of thing. And so she has one of these um, run tracker apps, you know, where you, you do a run and then you can look on your app and it'll show you the map of where you run, of where you ran. And so she decided that she was going to run her daily run in the shape of the words Boston Strong. Like in cursive? Like on a... Yeah, like, like, a, like a, it was a circuit, but it spelled out Boston Strong. It was, it was a great idea. Um, and she pulled it off. It, it, it sort of was, uh, I would say, mildly viral um, when it happened. But then people started to realize that she had made a bit of a half-star mistake of her own where she had forgotten a letter in the phrase that she was trying to spell out. Listen, I'm not a runner. Uh, so whenever I could take shortcuts, I'll take them. But if you're trying to spell something out, I wouldn't leave out a letter. So what she ended up spelling was Boston Strog. And how do you spell Boston Strog? B-O-S-T-O-N-S-T-R-O-G. Supposed to be an N in there. There's supposed to be an N in there. Absolutely. I'm trying to maybe save face. I mean, maybe it was a, maybe it's a regional dialect that neither of us are familiar oh, with. Oh, you mean the, like the one I just did? Boston Strong. Boston Strong. Well, all right. Well, thank you. That was News with Benton. Okay. Coming up next, time for our special guest, Falling Iguana Theater Company. Woohoo! Falling Iguana Theater is a physical theater company created by Alexa Higgins and Ian Goff based out of Toronto, Ontario. Company's original productions are collectively created and feature character-driven stories that are told largely through movement. Falling Iguana Theater's inaugural production, Diana, I Knew You When We Were 14, has been performed to critical acclaim in PEI, Toronto, and most recently as a live stream production for the National Arts Center's Hashtag Canada Performs initiative for quarantined artists. Give it up for Falling Iguana Theater Company. We're happy to be here, there, wherever we are. <laughs> In the wild, wild web. Yeah, that's it. So when we first came up with this concept of half a star, it was at the Island Fringe Festival in 2018. That was a very strong year at the Island Fringe Festival in Charlottetown that year. And we both were particularly struck by a show uh, that we saw and it, it really resonated with both of us and uh, we still talk about it uh, to this day really and sure. we are so honored to be joined by the creators of that show Alexa Higgins and Ian Goff so, well without making things too weird right off the bat uh, full disclosure Justin and I have full-on creative talent crushes on both of you so we'll just Aww. get that out of the way first <laughs> back at you guys we saw half a star as you said when we were at the lovely PEI Fringe but there are 10 shows and you're actually able to see like all of the shows. Yeah. I've never been to a fringe like that before. Mm. Yeah, shout out Island Fringe. Uh, yeah. we, we love you guys, absolutely. It's so warm and welcoming, which yeah. we expect from a maritime province, but we were still happy to see. <laughs> absolutely. So the title of the show that you guys performed there was? Diana and then um, brackets, I knew you when we were 14. Lovely. And that's uh, based on a Michael Ondaatje? Yeah, Michael Ondaatje, a uh, weird poem <laughs> okay. called Elimination Dance. Yeah, super abstract poem about like those elimination dances they were doing in the 1950s where people were dancing on the dance floor and then a, an announcer would be like, anyone with brown shoes? If you had brown shoes, you had to leave. Right. Et cetera, et cetera, until there were only mm -hmm. two people left and they won. Except his version 
in the poem is all these really wild, creative things. Like kind of surreal. Um, one is like, I mean, dirty right off the bat, but um, <laughs> anyone who has been penetrated by a Mountie. <laughs> and presumably, if that's happened to you, uh, then you would You're be out. out. Yeah. And some of them are very short, like one line, and then some of them are like full paragraphs, like super detailed that if anyone actually had that happen to them, it would be only one person in the world. So what was it about that particular piece that made you be like, we want to do this on stage? We found it in a, a bookstore and we're just reading it and it just seems, every image seems so visceral <laughs> and like each of them could have been a prompt for a different play. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was one near the end of the poem that was just anyone with pain. And that was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah. everyone. <laughs> right. And, um, and then we were like, oh yeah, this can yeah. really go places like both emotionally and like physical theater wise. And it, in the back of the poem, there are these funny study questions as it's, as if it's a textbook <laughs> and the questions, you know, they're kind of funny, but one of the questions was, um, Diana Whitman, I mean, Diana Whitehouse, I knew you when we were 14. I heard your name mentioned over the loudspeaker at Heathrow Airport in 1989. Where are you? If you want to contact me, contact Brick Books, the, his actual publisher. Oh, wow. I'm the publisher from the time. And that really stuck in our mind, like kind of like a mystery. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it would seem like almost an afterthought in the poem. But obviously he put it there on purpose. But right. we were like, oh, that could be the beginning of like a completely original play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And now yeah. this project was very, very popular during the 2018 Island Fringe Festival and has been remounted uh, a number of times, including most recently at the National Arts Center online programming. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so the National Arts Center, pretty much as soon as the quarantine started hitting uh, every province, <laughs> they came out with um, this program called Canada Performs, where uh, teaming up with Facebook and Sirius XM and some other... Slave music, all these, all these donors put a lot of money into it and they got this fund and yeah, they essentially put out a call for artists of all kinds musicians, theater artists, authors, performers for children and stuff, and ask for, you know, do your thing in a socially distant way. We applied um, and we were like, we didn't know if ours particular form of theater would suit such a live stream, but uh, they chose it. And then we spent a while trying to figure out how to re-adapt it for the screen. Right, because I remember the version that we saw in Charlottetown. I remember thinking at the end, like, oh, my God, those two must be so sweaty after that. Because <laughs> it is very sort of physically engaged in a way, right? So doing yeah, that in, in your apartment must have been quite the challenge. Yeah, we didn't want to sacrifice the story, but we also didn't want it to look like, like we just had to cram it together. We wanted it to be intentional. So we found ways to make the, the camera a character. Well, apart from not having an audience and not being in a theater, putting those things aside, in terms of uh, adaptation from uh, a show for the stage and a show for the uh, online world, what would you say was the biggest challenge in uh, making those adjustments? I, I guess for me personally, I found the biggest challenge. You s we have our frame here and like 
there's so much we do physically. Learning the top, the bottom, and the sides, fitting everything in it. Because the room we did it in primarily, we did it in two rooms, but one room is about, you know, 10 by 12 or 12 by 12. Right. So we're millionaires. We're millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a challenge to make it as big as possible, but as small as it had to be. We right. didn't want to sacrifice. We, we, we lost a lot of our feet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I mean, depending on who's listening, they may be like, who cares about your feet? But in physical theater, the entire body is important. Every body part can kind of help to tell the story. And losing our feet was like a, a conversation we had. And so, huh. we, yeah, we decided to go farther up and lose some of our feet, but it still worked. It's interesting because they often talk about the difference between acting on camera and acting on stage. And for planning something like this, it must have felt like you were kind of stuck between two worlds a little bit and trying to like honor both of those mediums at once. It's uh, quite the challenge. And I think you guys really pulled it off. And I think uh, this is definitely a project that was uh, deserving to be streamed by the National Arts Center. Unfortunately, they did not go with my submission for a one-man contact improv performance. From <laughs> so speaking of bad ideas, um, <laughs> Is there a bad idea uh, that you, Ian and Alexa, what do you got for half-star ideas? So my, my half-star idea that I had was, I, I'll say, to go to university for the second time. Okay, uh, yep. So, you know, you're in high school. You've run with a certain crowd. That certain crowd might be like, we're all going to university. We're all going to be you know, we're all going to get degrees and it's going to be great. And we're all going to be successful in that way. And so I was like, yeah, university is a great idea. So I went to university um, at St. Thomas University in Fredericton. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to be an English teacher, <laughs> just an English teacher. And so, you know, I did that liberal arts kind of smattering of courses, like read a bunch of stuff. Long story short, I dropped out because I'm not a very good student. I love reading and learning, but not doing the work. So there was like a year in between where I was kind of like, what am I going to do? I was playing in a band. I thought I was going to be a rock star. I was doing some theater and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I, I sat down and had coffee with Ilke Silk, who is a Fredericton, well, New Brunswick theater genius. And she recommended that why don't I re-enroll in St. Thomas and try to get do the uh, concentration in drama there, which is a good idea for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so I re-enrolled and essentially did the exact same thing all over again. Oh no. Same deal. Went to a few classes, read books like, you know, Plato's Republic and stuff and some, some really cool books and learned things and met some people. And... It just happened again. I just dropped out again. So that's my half-star idea. The silver well, I, lining, of course, is that I got involved with Theater St. Thomas, and through that, all the theater that was in Fredericton met a ton of people, and, you know, I'm on my life path now. But, yeah, university, oh well. I mean, look, we've all been there. I think I tried going to theater school two or three times before it took, so <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I also should mention that Alexa and I briefly went to a theater school together that uh, didn't quite take, but uh, sure <laughs> that, is, that is a different story. 
<laughs> I like that story. That's a half star story. I think that uh, I'll talk about it because <laughs> I didn't go there, but I think I nearly could have. I Yeah, the check was in the mail or something, wasn't it? The check was in my mm-hmm. hand in an envelope with the registrar's name on the envelope to go with my application and say, hi, this is my payment for applying for the Ottawa Theatre School. I was ready to go to the post office and drop it off uh, because apparently that's the only place I know where mailboxes are. (laughs) Uh, And my partner at the time, uh, who was at the school, she called me and said, yeah, they're closing today. And I'm like, well, I just saved me $25. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then, and then the other part of that story is I show up in Charlottetown after everything goes down and Justin starts spreading a rumor that the theater school had to shut down because I clogged a toilet so bad that they couldn't fix it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, that's Ian's half star story. Alexa, I got anything in the tank for us? What you got? Sure. Although that would have been a good one. But you know what? We don't need to get into we don't it need to, We don't need to pick those wounds, no. <laughs> I would love to. When I was a kid, <laughs> take us back just a couple of years. Sure. My dad took me to the library in Kitchener, where I grew up, Kitchener, Ontario. And we went to the Kitchener Public Library to do a craft class um, because all kids like crafts. And so I thought, all kids like crafts. I'll probably like crafts. It's a crafty <laughs> thing. Crafts, everybody loves them. And I've been told by my dad, <laughs> I was very small, that um, we were supposed to be making a sheet out of cotton balls and markers. And uh, I had a low boredom threshold even then. <laughs> I took a huge fistful of cotton balls, just jammed some glue on it, threw it on a paper, stood up and said, I'm done. <laughs> Let's go, dad. And we left <laughs> within like five minutes of the class. And then I had a bit of a moral reckoning for years after that, because in school, like when you're younger, there's always like a craft, like an arts and crafts component and everybody seems to love it. <laughs> and I just feel this like sinking feeling of like, oh God, a repetitive task. And I don't like <laughs> like the minuscule detail. I just want it to be done so I can do something else. But everybody else was like craft time. So I was like craft time. And then there were a series of crafts every year that I would bring home of like <laughs> a toilet paper roll that was supposed to be a penguin or some shit. And I just like stuck a chocolate chip on there <laughs> and drew a happy face. And I was like, next <laughs> for years and years <laughs> of my youth. And then um, my aunt Kathy is a lovely crafty woman. So I would go visit her and she would, we would have afternoons of decoupaging stools and stuff. And I just felt like, a, like some people feel when they go to the dentist. I felt like that about crafts for years until one day I stood up on the decoupage stool and said to Aunt Kathy, I think I hate crafts. Like I really hate them. And she was like, oh, well, we'll do something else. And we did a different craft. And I was like, no, I hate all crafts. <laughs> and once I said it out loud, I just knew it was true. Nice. <laughs> and now it's a long running joke in my family of anything even vaguely craft related, mm-hmm. like, won't do it. So what you're saying is there is no like set or costume design in your future? Hell no. <laughs> even just like drawing a, a maquette example <laughs> or something in like undergrad, just all that. I was like, let me just explain it, write it. I like to write, but I 
just any visual representation makes me feel like I'm going to die. That's so wild. <laughs> so wow. The half story, yeah. Huh. So, yeah. so the, the, the half star idea is just the general concept of crafting. Yeah. And I just want to tell any, anybody listening out there who also has that sinking feeling about crafts, you don't have to like them. If your friend invites you over to, to carve like some jack-o'-lanterns, you don't have to carve one. You can say no. Alexa is a big advocate for the separation of arts and crafts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of beautiful though that both of those half-star stories are about discovering one's learning style. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, that's kind of nice. Well, thank you so much for your stories. That was uh, hilarious and eye-opening in a lot of ways. We've talked a lot about your show already, but this is generally the part of the program where we ask if you have any anything you want to plug we are i mean we are writing a show do you want to know what it's about <laughs> i mean i mean if, if you want to keep it a secret you can i don't know how much should we say one thing one thing one thing <laughs> <laughs> like a, like um, a, like an adjective verb yeah in a city somewhere in the world in the last four decades there was a gigantic art heist Ooh. a massive art heist and the paintings haven't been recovered. Details of the case are tantalizing. Um, there are many mysteries woven in. Our next play, sometime in the future, Falling Iguana is gonna do a play about that. And the title, tentatively, is Isabella. See a theme. Now that, my friends, is one hell of an exclusive scoop. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we just have one more question for uh, Falling Iguana Theater Company. It's really been on Ben and mine's mind. Iguanas have a third eye, and it's called, what's it called again, Ben? It's called the parietal eye, I think. Parietal eye. And it's, it talks about how they can see UV light. And I'm wondering, how has this affected your artistic discipline? How has this affected your artistic discipline? Hello? They cut out? I... Believe it or uh, not, I think they hung up. I think, uh... Well, it seems, uh, it seems like our guests are, uh... They cut out or they hung up. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's about us, is it? I don't think we got to ask them why are they called Falling Iguana Theater Company. That was like the one question we went in with. It was like we prepared all these iguana facts. It's like, what do we? Well, that's been another episode of Half a Star, the Half Ass Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. He's Justin. He's Ben. Take care and wash your hands. <laughs>